Everybody's down. They're ready. We're going to be in Matthew 24 today, is my understanding. Is that right? Uh-huh. So Matthew chapter 24 in your Bibles. Be able to work through there and follow as best you can with Marty. You never know where he's going to go. Okay. And where, okay, do, buddy? I have, where do I have to stop? He has to stop sometime. Let's see. There's a clock up there. It says 1030. So if you stop about 1105, it'd be great. 11.05. You can go 11.10 even if you want oh, to. Okay. Okay, does that work for you, Brian? All right. Good stuff? Yeah, we're easy. All right. <laughs> we're easy. Okay, hey, let's pray. Father, thank you for Marty. We ask that you'll guide him now as he shares with us. Help us to hear his words uh, that you've given to him. Help us to understand more clearly how you're working uh, through him in ministry. And also clarify your word to us this day. Mm. We ask that in your son's name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. What a joy to be here. I'm telling you, it's just so awesome to see some faces I've seen before and to worship with you. Wasn't that wonderful? I mean, just to lift our voices in prayer and praise and worship was just tremendous. And I, <clears throat> I think um, the, the way I feel like I need to introduce this this morning. Well, let me have my wife stand up first. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I'll share a little illustration here in a little bit that's really hard for me to share, but I've got to tell the truth, you know, about these situations. Uh, so you pray for me. Uh, but uh, the thing that just stands out in my mind so much with regard to our being here with you today is this whole journey of faith. Uh, one of my favorite passages, and maybe one of yours, is Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.6 says, For without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I love the adverbs in the Bible, don't you? Because they protect us from being lazy. I have a tendency to be lazy, and a lot of church people have it. I mean, it's so nice just to come and park here in the chair, and these are comfortable chairs, not compared with the benches that we sit on in Africa and other places, and just kind of kick back and listen to Lee. And, um, but diligently, I love it. How do you seek the spiritual gifts? What's that word in First Corinthians? Earnestly seek the spiritual gifts. So I love the adverbs, and I love that statement in Hebrews about diligently seeking God. And I, I believe that that's for all of us. Uh, can I move around? Uh, I really believe that that's for all of us. I think that God wants you to feel it. Paul talks about bowels of mercy. Uh, and I don't know how else to say that except it takes guts to be a Christian. It's down in here. My oldest son worships in a church in Tulsa, and the name of the church is Guts. You go in, the, and there's five or 6,000 people in that church. And I mean, tattoos and <laughs> all. I mean, everybody. And they, it's an incredible church. And uh, the music is powerful. Tulsa, Oklahoma knows that if there's a problem in the city, they can call guts and they've got a team ready to go to meet the need. Isn't that wonderful? I just think it's great. You walk in the front doors of this, and there's a big sign up there that says, It takes guts to be a Christian. And I know that for a fact in my own life, and some of you know it as well. 
And I'm so thankful this morning that I can talk to you about what's happened with Beck and me over these last few months. It's just been incredible what God has allowed us to do. And it's all based upon this faith walk that we have. And you guys, you know, it's the most exciting thing in the world. And as I tell you some of the things that have been happening to us, you'll understand why I feel that way and why Becca feels that way. Here she was, a banker for 45 years, and, you know, she's into the books and everything. Goodness, she's really straightened me out. And, um, and uh, she really has. And, and, I mean, everything's lined up. You know, that's the, way it's always, that's the way it's been for her. She's kept these bank presidents in their jobs and so on. She knew more about the bank than those guys did. But, I mean, this has been a real challenge for Becca to do what we've done because, uh, she stepped out there too with me as we've trusted God to do things with us. We wanted to go to Uganda this last summer, but it was going to take $17,000 for us to go and be with David Kamanzi and his wife Esther. Um, and we just couldn't do it. So we had to call him and tell him to cancel all the meetings that he had planned for us. And we were at Redwood Christian Park up by Mount Hermon in the Santa Cruz Mountains, we always, we've been going there as a family since 1976 uh, to Redwood Christian Park. It's a beautiful, wonderful place. And we were there for family camp. And during family camp, I get a phone call from Jerry Hamlin. Jerry Hamlin uh, has a Ph.D. in engineering. Um, he's had his own business, made money. Uh, and nine years ago, he had a stroke. The doctors brought him back to life. And he said, I know that God let me live for a reason. And that is to share the gospel with more people. So here's this elegant-looking, he's an elegant-looking gentleman anyhow. And I mean, he, you know, and this guy knows all about the Evangicube. Didn't I share that with you guys? The Evangicube, you guys remember that? I mean, and we've been using that now for seven years all over. India, Africa, China. Uh, it's just Indonesia. It's been so fun to watch people than their eyes when they see this cube and how we tell the gospel. And it helps others, uh, young Christians, to have something they can get their hands on to be able to share the gospel. So anyway, Jerry calls from Tulsa. That's where he lives. He said, Marty, I've paid the $4,500 to go to Burundi, Bujumbura, Burundi, and, but the doctors tell me I have a stomach infection and I shouldn't go to Africa. He said, will you go for me? <laughs> I'm telling you, will I go for you, Jerry? That's awesome. I said, yes, yes. I, and I get off the phone and I looked at Becca. I said, hon, you're supposed to go too. She says, yeah. So we started telling people about this trip and, and um, about Becca going. And the money started coming, you guys. I mean, from just all sorts of sources. And you guys are part of it. And I want you to understand that. The things I'm telling you today, you are a part of what God is doing. And I want you to be able to praise God, even though you can't be with us. But you're with us. And I'm so thankful. Well, anyway, so while we're at Redwood Christian Park, we know that we've got to get yellow fever shots. So I found a place in Santa Cruz where we can go get our yellow fever shots because we got to do that to be able to get our visas. So <clears throat> we got that taken care of. And it was amazing because I thought, oh, Lord, help beckon me not to get sick with this stuff. 
You know, because sometimes with those shots, you can't. Well, both of us did really great, and we got our passport in. Then we have at our house, my house, what we call cousins camp. So all the grandkids come to our house, and we camp out, and we have scripture and singing in the morning, and and then uh, lunch, and then crafts in the afternoon, or sometimes we go to a swim park or whatever. The grandkids are there. Well, one morning, Becca and I are out on the porch, and and we'd been praying and in the Word, and she says, she says, well, why don't we go on to Uganda? It's only an hour flight from Bujumburi through Rwanda and on to Uganda. I mean, I want her to feel good about where we're going, right, brother? Tim, you know how important it is that your wife feels good about. You. Yeah, and so I wanted Becca, you know, and here she's the one who brings it up. She says, why don't we go on to Uganda? I said, yes, let's go on to Uganda. But here our passports are in Washington, D.C., and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, we've got to get our passports back because we've got to get a visa for Uganda. So we're just, we're praying. Our passport comes back on Friday morning. We had to drive to Roseville to pick it up and put all this stuff for Uganda together and get it to FedEx that afternoon for them to be able to ship it off to New York and the Ugandan embassy to get for us to be able to get our visa. And you guys, it happened. I mean, we were at the FedEx store and we couldn't get the computers to work in my house. And I, oh, you know how that happened. And I, I, was, I had, had to have my itinerary to put in all that stuff. So uh, we go to the FedEx place, and it's right at 5 o'clock, and we see the FedEx truck coming in. And I thought, oh, dear Lord. And we got into the FedEx office, and the little gal in there, she sees that we're kind of trying to get this stuff together. And finally I said, can you run my itinerary off on your computer? The gal from the FedEx truck had walked in, and the girl behind the desk, she says, well, the uh, the girl has to go. And this little gal spoke up. She says, I'll wait. I'll wait. I mean, FedEx, you guys, I mean, I'll wait. (laughs) And she did. She waited for our material and took it off, and we were scheduled to leave the next weekend on the 18th. So that stuff had to get to Washington, D.C. and back to us so that we could catch our plane early in the morning on Saturday to go to Bujaburi. Uh, <laughs> it, it came. I mean, that thing, I mean, it went to Washington, D.C. They got it on a Tuesday or no, on Monday, and they had shipped it back, and we got it on Wednesday. I'm, I was just, you know, thank you, Father. I mean, you're just thanking the Lord all the time because you're taking these steps of faith, okay? Let me give you this example that happened to me when we moved to Sacramento for the first time. I was working with a church up there, and I was talking about faith, and I asked one of the elders to do something with me. I said, Jerry, and he teaches... Um, administrators in the welfare department in Sacramento. And I said, I want the people to get a feeling of this thing of faith. I said, will you come up here and I want you to fall back in my arms. <laughs> fall, just fall back in my arms. Well, he was a lot thicker than I thought. <laughs> but praise God, I caught him. But you guys, when I caught him, I went like this and the crotch in my pants just... <laughs> 
all the way up to my belt line and the zipper, and the choir was behind me. (laughs) Needless to say, my elder discovered what it was to have faith. (laughs) But this experience for us going to Burundi was so awesome. And everything came through for us to go to Uganda. Brother David Kamanzi is putting things together there. We had 300 pastors that came out of the bush that we worked with for five days. Becca is a, she wants to give of herself. Well, the ladies had everything all organized, and she didn't know if she was going to get to teach or not. But one day, right at the beginning of the, of the, the work, the lady came to Becca and said, Becca, the lady who's supposed to do a lot of the teaching, her husband is sick, and she didn't make it. Will you teach? And she was happy. And it was so wonderful to watch her touch the lives of the women. Becca has been healed of cancer, T-cell lymphoma. I mean, she battled it for two or three years without radiation or chemotherapy. She felt like God wanted her not to do that stuff. And he delivered her one Sunday morning at a worship service where they turned her and prayed for her and anointed her with oil, and she was healed by the power of God. Hallelujah. Yes. The Lord is still doing stuff like that. And He wants you and me, by faith, to put our hands out there on people and watch Him do something. And sometimes I'm just afraid to do that. I loved what our little gal said this morning about going to Tijuana. And her being afraid. Yeah, I was afraid the first time I went to the Philippines because the communists were killing everybody. 41 pastors in the area where we were going. And I thought, Lord, am I going to get back to my wife and seven children? Am I going to make it out of here? And I did. And we saw thousands of people come to the Lord, baptized almost 6,000 people in the rivers and the canals and the oceans. I never had so much fun in all my life. Yeah, and it was a faith walk, the faith walk. Well, so we get to Bujumburi, and we had trained these 300 pastors for five days, and it was so fun. We gave them all a new Bible the first night that we were together, and they were so excited about that. I trained them with the Evangicube, and, and I've got some pictures. There's a few back there. I hope you guys will take a picture and take it home, put it on the fridge, and pray for us. But... Uh, we five days. Then we split up into f- uh, four different teams: yellow team, gold team, no, gold team, red team, blue team, green team. And we had about five or six Americans on those teams and 75 Africans. And we went out into the villages and the marketplaces. They'd get in these vans, you guys, and hear these beautiful African brothers and sisters banging the side of the van as we go into a village. <laughs> and the people they're wondering what in the world is coming into our village. And, and we sent the pastors and the ladies out in the village to share the gospel for an hour, hour and a half. Then they come back in where we have got the perimeter set up with a rope and a little pickup with a 4 by 8 sheet piece of plywood, the generator out here, the PA, and the music's going, and we start a service. Three days of our doing that, we had the, the largest number of people come to Jesus than we've ever had in Africa. 17,048 people. And we had paper on all those, you guys. 
Now, we don't know how serious some of these people are. How can you tell when a person has really given their hearts to the Lord? All we know is that the Lord knows and those people responded. Praise God. So the fruit was there. And we left those papers with the local pastors as well as several boxes of Bibles so that when people came to worship, they could get a Bible. We know they need to be in the Word. We know the pastors and the churches need to help them to follow through with baptism. That was Burundi, Bujumbura. Now, let's get on a, fl- on a plane and fly to Uganda, into Entebbe. How many of you have seen The Raid on Entebbe? That's a powerful film about the Palestinians commandeering a French airplane with a bunch of Israelis on it. It's a powerful film. But we go into Entebbe, Kampala, which is the capital right there, and David Kamanzi met us. And we went six hours to Embarara. I'd been there five years ago, met David. David was a young man who, uh, at nine years of age, his mother and dad and his older brother were picked up by Idi Amin's army. Have you heard of Idi Amin? Idi Amin. It was horrible what he did, killing Christian people right and left, thousands of people, hauled David Kamanzi's mother and dad off to prison of his older brother. He knew that they would be coming for him, but he had three or four younger brothers and sisters. He put those younger brothers and sisters out with Christians, and he ran away, lived on the street for nine years, he pulled his pants up and showed us the scars on his legs where the police had beat him. And the other boys were very terribly mistreated. A pastor came out of Nigeria, started ministering to these kids. He brought them beans and different things. And finally, David, at the age of 18, went to help with his pastor and gave his heart to the Lord, got involved with YWAM, met his wife, Esther, Precious lady. Now they have taken 11 little boys off of the street and five girls out of prostitution, and they have three or four children of their own. The house, we just got money uh, to them through a bank, what is it called, huh? bank money order? A wire transfer, yeah. I've been doing it through Western Union. And Becca says, hun, we need to do a bank transfer. I was paying $85, dollars $100 with Western Union, and the bank transfer was $40. That's my wife. Woo! <laughs> and uh, so, you know, so we, we needed to get money to them to help them pay the rent. They buy, pay for school fees. They buy their, their food and their clothing. When we went into their house, uh, all we saw was a quarter bag of beans and a quarter bag of posho. Posho is like cornmeal, and they eat it as mush in the, in the morning. Then in the evening, they'll overcook it, and it's kind of sticky and gummy like overcooked oatmeal. Anybody have overcooked oatmeal? Yeah. Okay, well, that's, kind of, that's, their, that's their staple. And uh, so we were so excited to be able to see this. Becca was wondering. I had been sending money when I could, and our church up in Northern California had sent some money at other times, and Becca was you know, is this guy legitimate? And she saw it. And I saw it really for the first time. I believed him, the stuff he told me. And anyway, he set us up with uh, crusades, four different crusades in the villages. The people would walk 10, 15 miles to come hear us preach, you guys. It was just incredible. And they're giving their hearts to the Lord. It was wonderful. And the thing was, the Lord 
you know, that was a step of faith for us because we didn't have all the money to do that. She took $2,500 out of your credit line, wasn't that it? And then I took the last $2,000 out of, out of IEM's ministry uh, account, and that's what we took with us. He said earlier that it was going to take $17,000, but we told him we, don't, we can't do that. We took what we had, and he put us to work, and it was incredible what God did. Just, just awesome, you know? And for us to have that experience of walking by faith. Okay, now let's go to China, all right? The first part of January, the brother from Branson, Missouri called me. I've been traveling with him since 1993, 92, when we went to Russia and lived there for four and a half months in Moscow. And he called, he said, Marty, I want you to go to China. Are you, can you go to China with us? I said, well, I'd love to go, but it's a money thing. you know." If, well, he said, we have eight university students. And he said, said we need somebody older to go with them. <laughs> I'm 76, so I guess I'm older. <laughs> and, I, you know, I got off the phone. That was on a Monday. And I told Becca, and she says, well, maybe you're supposed to go. You guys, on Wednesday, a check from our little church in South Carolina came for $900. And she said again, I think you're supposed to go. And I'm getting excited because here are these university students who need to be discipled, and I love to do that and just work together. Well, anyway, so we go to worship on Sunday, and it's an open fellowship like you guys are, and they're talking at the first of the service. Well, what's God done? You know, how's he answered prayers? Blah, blah, blah. And so we're just having a great time, and I felt the Spirit of the Lord say, tell them. So I stood up, and I said, you guys... I don't know who did it, (laughs) but some of you out here gave us $900, Um, and we're thankful and praising God, and I believe I'm supposed to go to China. And then I felt the freedom to be able to tell them what else I needed. It was $3,000, so I needed another $2,100 to make up what I needed for the trip. Well, and I sat down. We had a music group there that Sunday morning playing Christmas music, and I'm telling you, they were... They were so awesome, just so good. And uh, the bass player, before they did another song, he spoke up. He said, you guys, Brother Marty, needs $2,100 more. That's all he needs. It's 21 of us giving $100. Well, yeah, that made sense to me. (laughs) Yeah. And he says, I'm going to give the first 100. Before the service was over, I had $1,200 in my pocket. And the first part of the week, the rest of it came. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm talking about when I'm talking about faith? It's incredible. That's how God wants all of us to live. Not just Marty and Becca, but all of us. That's there for all of us to live like that. Whether it's money, whether it's praying for somebody who needs Jesus, wherever you find yourself, I know that's God's program for every one of us. And it's a walk of faith. And on... On Sunday morning, about three, four weeks ago, we were in this large church, Chinese church, 
in Shenzhen. Shenzhen is a large business area across from Hong Kong. There's money there, three or four million people. The buildings are incredible. And there was a Korean brother nine years ago, David Park, who started this little body of people, nine to ten people meeting in the room right next to McDonald's. He, kept, he and his wife were faithful. They kept sharing the gospel. People coming to the Lord. The thing was growing. They had to move to another facility. It kept growing. They had to move again. It kept growing. They had to move again. And finally, they turned the church over to the Chinese. The government knows about this church. This is a registered church. And now they're in this awesome building that will hold over 2,000 people, 2,500 people. Beautiful facility, rooms for teaching, and they have a Christian school there for the kids. And I've been there several times. We've been going to China since 2000. And 10,000 people a day are coming to the Lord in China. I have a, a wristband on my wrist that says in Chinese and in English, pray for China. So I, it's before me, okay? I know I need to just keep it before me. And I want to put it before you too so you can pray for China because people are hungry for spiritual things and they're finding Jesus in China. Can I hear an amen? amen? Yes. And it's so exciting to be a part of it. Well, we go to this worship. I can't tell you about There were four places we went, but I'll tell you this one place because I don't have the time to tell you everything else. But we went to this large church, the OCT church, and our drama team, the kids from Branson, Missouri, the little gal who leads the team, is so cool. She and her husband, he's seven foot tall, and she's about four foot eight. <laughs> and... and uh, and they are part of the team at uh, Silver Dollar City. Uh, and so they have this drama where the girl comes to, uh, to, comes to Jesus and some, some girl comes along with pills and tempts her. Another one comes along with alcohol and tempts her. Another one comes along with the whole thing of sex and tempts her. And then another one comes along with uh, this thing of cutting. You know, it's hard to believe that kids get into this thing of cutting their flesh even to the point of taking their lives. Well, anyway, so she goes through all these temptations and the the audience, the congregation, is riveted. And it's just incredible while they're giving this drama. And the, there are people in the, in the congregation who are weeping. And finally, Jesus wins out in her life. And all these people are thrown to the side. And she comes to Jesus fully. And it's just awesome. Well, that's part of the Sunday morning service. And then um, the pastor delivers the message. And then they invite all the new people to come up who are visiting there for the first time. Well, there are about 2,000 people in the auditorium that morning. And 37 people came forward, and my little friend, Christine Song, Christine was our interpreter 11 years ago, and after we worked together for uh, 10 days, she came to me and said, Brother Marty, I've been a Christian now for a year, and I want to be baptized. Could you baptize me? I said, yes. And she said, my son wants to be baptized too. Can you baptize? Yes. And we went to this incredible apartment complex and baptized Crystal and her son, Kenny. She was a, she's a part of this church now, she and her husband, and she's up there welcoming all these new people. And then she says, now what we want you to do, and that's in Chinese. I don't know if that's Chinese or not. But she says, here's what, here's what we want you to do. We want you to follow Marty Hooper, this guy who looks like Santa. And my wife really appealed to me to 
She said, when your husband's hair gets longer than yours, it's time for you to get haircuts. So I trimmed up when I got home. Uh, but she said, follow this guy who looks like Santa. So they followed me, you guys. And we went into a side room, and I have these four charts that share the gospel. And I had this precious little Chinese gal, Wendy, who's there with me. And you guys, she was so overcome by the power of the Spirit. She's just weeping while she's interpreting for me. I, it was just so precious. She's watching what's happening. And she was just so blessed. I was blessed. And I shared the gospel with all of them. Come down to the last two hearts on these charts. One heart where Jesus is outside and this person's life is a mess. And the other heart where Jesus is on the throne in this person's life and their life is together. And I said, which heart do you want to these people? And I pointed to the heart without Jesus. I said, you want this heart? And of course they, no. No, I don't want, we don't want that heart. I said, you want this heart? Yes, we want that heart. All 37 of them prayed with me to receive Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The 10 o'clock service came, and we had 2,000 people in there again and went through the same regimen. And finally, uh, Crystal says, follow Marty out to this room. This time, we had 68 people in the room. And we shared the gospel with them. And all 68 gave their hearts to the Lord. You guys, that was worth the whole trip for me. And that's a picture of them right there in that room. So thankful for God to use me. You know, and he wants to use you. And I want to challenge you this morning as you think about what God is going to do with you. Now, I want you to shift gears with me right quick because I feel like I have got to share this with you before I stop. In Matthew 24, there's a powerful passage of Scripture. Seven, eight years ago, I was in Jerusalem. I was setting up on the top of Mount Olives, the Mount of Olives, and I could look down across the Kidron Valley and see the eastern wall of the temple and the dome right there staring at me. And I just thought, wow, I'm, I'm here. And then as I have been reading and studying these last three or four months, you guys, the Lord has been dealing with me in a powerful way. Look at Matthew chapter 24, and we'll go through this quickly because I just want you guys to get a hold of this this morning. Now as he said, verse 3, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Listen, I don't like to talk about this, but I have got to talk about it. Three months ago, I got an email 
from, I, from uh, Iraq, from northern Iraq. I went to Baghdad twice, barely got out the second time. The brothers called me and they said, Brother Marty, come go with us to Kurdistan. So I went to Kurdistan with them, northern Iraq. And we had an incredible time. And here, three months ago, I get this, this email from northern Iraq. And the brothers were pleading with us to pray with them because ISIS had been coming in and pulling the young people out. I'm looking at these 14-year-old girls here, and I'm just thinking this could happen to them. They pulled them out, one beautiful little girl all dressed up in her dress, and they beheaded her because she wouldn't deny Jesus. And then a young boy wouldn't deny Jesus, and they crucified him. Another little boy wouldn't deny Jesus, and they cut him in two. And then they kill the parents. I'm telling you, my soul was so stirred because it's so easy for me to be here in America and not be aware of any of this. Isn't that true about you? Yeah. And we've got to be aware of it so that we will pray for these people. I'll never forget being upon this ridge, looking down on the city of Dehuk. Dehuk is almost a million people. It's the second largest city in northern Iraq. Erbil is the largest city, a million and a half. And we're standing up on this ridge, looking down on the city. One lady brought her shofar, and she's... I mean, she's blowing over the city, and we're praying for the city. Our leader, Bazad, said, look over here. And I looked back behind me. He said, 25 miles over there is Mosul. Mosul is ancient Nineveh. And I thought, wow, I felt so privileged to be there just to feel what I was feeling because I need the same kind of courage that Jonah needed when God told him to go and speak to Nineveh. I need that kind of courage to speak up in the midst of everything that I'm experiencing and going through as a father, as a grandfather. I would wake up in the morning and look over at Becca and I could see my children and my grandchildren being treated the way these young people were treated in northern Iraq. And I could see your children going through the same thing. Will they stand for Jesus? Yes, I believe they will. And that's exactly what Jesus says here. They're going to kill you. They're going to take your life because of your standing up for the truth. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Brothers and sisters, it's coming. Praise God for the brothers in Houston who stood up and would not surrender their outlines to the mayor of the city. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. Watch it when its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves. You know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Okay? We don't say the day nor the hour. Jesus said no. Nobody knows the day nor the hour. But he says you can know when it's close. So get your house in order. Get it together. And some of you might say, Brother Marty, man, why are you preaching this? Dear ones, I'm preaching it because Jesus preached it.
Are you listening? Yes. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says, Hey, listen, some people say I'm crazy, but if I am, it's for God. Others, I'm in my right mind, it's for you. But he says, whatever. He says, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. Brothers and sisters, I hope that after this Sunday, I may never see you again, but I hope that you will come up with a courage that comes from the Holy Spirit and you will open your mouth with your family. You'll open your mouth with your co-workers. You'll open your mouth with the students that you're in school with and you'll tell them about Jesus because, dear ones, they're going to wake up one day and they will be lost forever. And the Bible says, Jesus said it again and again, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God help us. Here in this passage of 2 Corinthians 5, he says it's the love of Christ that constrains us. It's the love of Christ that controls us. Yes, I don't want to be controlled by anything else but the love of Jesus, to love people enough to tell them what they need to hear. Now look at this. 2 Peter chapter 3. We're coming down here. 2 Peter chapter 3. This just blows me away. Beloved, I'll now write to you this second epistle, in both which I stir up your prayer minds by way of reminder. You know, it seems like we leak. <laughs> Ephesians 5.18 says, Be filled with the Spirit. Well, I, I think I leak. I think maybe you guys leak. And the Scripture's there. Be filled with the Spirit. And Paul, Peter is just saying here, I'm stirring up your minds that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water in water by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, said, hey, dear ones, listen, I get to my house and I look at my house and my stuff. <laughs> it's going to burn up. It's just stuff. Say it with me. It's just stuff. Say it again. It's just stuff. Yes. And the Bible says it's going to burn up. So do you, is it worthy of your love and your commitment and dedication? Okay, you've got to be a responsible person. Yes, but. It's all going to be burned up. It will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? 
looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Oh, God, Lord God, come, Jesus, help us to quit killing each other. Lord, please help us. Please help us. And then this last verse, Revelation chapter 3, look at it. And the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things say the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and to and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold, refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see as many as I love I rebuke and chasten therefore be zealous and repent therefore be zealous and repent so I speak to you this morning from all my heart please as you think about these things I don't want you to be down. That's not my point. My point is for you to be up. Jesus said, look, your salvation is close at hand. My wife, my first wife, we had seven babies. And I'll tell you, when the birth pangs came, we headed for the hospital. Any of the rest of you guys do the same? Yeah. I didn't want to deliver the baby. And Jesus is saying, it's just like a woman in birth pangs. It's coming. And I believe all the stuff that we're going through right now is just a signal to us that it's coming. And there's going to be a revival in this country that we have not seen before. I was in, at the Passion Conference three years ago with 60,000 young people in, the, in, the, um, in uh, Atlanta in the bowl there. And I, it was so awesome to see 60,000 kids worshiping God. And here I am, an older brother. I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus. There are young people who are on fire with the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's, they're here. Now, one more thing. Steve Rapecki. Steve Rapecki was a young man that went to a, a meeting in Chicago, Illinois, a union meeting. He was a union member. And the speaker kept using the Lord's name in vain, swearing and so on. Steve Rapecki stood up on a chair and pointed his finger to the speaker. And he said, sir, I will thank you to leave my Lord out of your message. There were more people to shake Steve Rapecki's hand at the end of the meeting than there were to shake the speaker's hand. April 26, 1999, one of those guys at Columbine came to Rachel Scott and said, Do you believe in God? And Rachel Scott said, Yes, I believe in God. And point blank, he shot and killed her. 17 years old. Praise God for Rachel Scott. Praise God for Mother Teresa who shamed President Clinton for condoning the killing of our babies. She's a little teeny thing. 
Shame on you, Mr. Clinton, for allowing our babies to be killed. Praise God for Mother Teresa. We've got to stand up, folks. I just want to finish with this song, if I can sing it.